Can I tell your name, please, love? Dawson. Rose Dawson. Thank you. We never found anything on Jack. There's no record of him at all. No, there wouldn't be, would there? And I've never spoken of him until now. Not to anyone. Not even your grandfather. A woman's heart is a deep ocean of secrets. But now you know there was a man named Jack Dawson. And that he saved me. In every way that a person can be saved. That is such a lie. <laughs> How many of you remember the movie Titanic? Just everybody raise your hand because like a billion people on earth saw it. And then like another billion saw it twice or something like that. But uh, yeah, she says that uh, he saved me in every way that a person could be saved. And, and, and hopefully you know that that is not true. Because just a man couldn't save you in one way eternally, that can only be done through Jesus Christ our Lord. And uh, hey, it's good to see you guys here today by the way. And happy birthday to Nick Olson, wherever Nick is at this morning. Yeah, right over there, yeah, alright, Nick Olson, right over there. it's his birthday. Mine is tomorrow, okay, Nick turns like 19 or something. Mine is, mine is tomorrow and we're going to go to lunch together, aren't we? Celebrate our birthdays, that's right. So, yeah, that's right, we will. <laughs> well, hey, it, it is good to see you here this morning. If you are new to the Orchard Church, um, we typically study through the Bible verse by verse, uh, through a book of the Bible, and we are getting ready to begin that again as we hit Friend Day and our fifth anniversary Sunday in September. And um, after that, begin a brand new book of the Bible. It is the book of I'm not going to tell you yet. We're still working on it. And uh, leave, leave you hanging there. And uh, we're, we'll do that again. But for the time being, we are in this short series called You Asked For It. Where we are answering some questions that you submitted over a few weeks. And uh, like we have said over the last couple of weeks, over 100 questions turned in. And, and we've been going through those. Someone found me last week and said, that was my question. And uh, I was like, congratulations. Because, you know, we picked six of them out of over a hundred. So uh, if, if that's you, that's pretty good. And so we're in this series right now where we're answering some questions. And several questions were asked about salvation. And they were asked a little bit different, but they were all kind of headed the same way. And the question that was asked and that we're going to look at this morning was, how were people saved before Jesus, before the time of Christ. So this morning, we will answer that as well as two others. Uh, the others are, how were the Jews saved since they're God's chosen people? Did they even need that? And then the last one are, is, how are people saved today? So we'll take a look at all of those. So if you, if you do have your Bible this morning, open up to Genesis chapter 15. We'll begin there in a few moments. Genesis chapter 15 and if you are using one of the Bibles that we provided for you that is on page 5 
We're like almost back to the beginning there on page 5. And uh, if you do have one of those Bibles that uh, we've provided for and you don't have a Bible, let me just encourage you to keep that. Maybe take a Sharpie marker and write your name on it. That just be your Bible. Uh, now I know that I could not do that because the print in that Bible is like a font size 4. So... <laughs> So, uh, you know, if that's you, you're like me, you know, go out and get you one with a super giant print and stuff. Um, but if, if you can use one of those in the back, uh, that is great. We definitely want you to do that and we want you to have one as well. Well, um, as you're turning there to page number five, as we talk about salvation today, there is a whole lot on this subject. There are seminary classes on the subject of salvation. It's a class you could sign up for called Soteriology. It's all about the study of salvation. And there's three things real quick we want to understand before we look at all of these points this morning. And the first one is this. That the basis of salvation has always been the death of Christ. And that's in your notes this morning if you want to go ahead and, and get these three before we jump into our main points. The basis of salvation has always been the death of Christ. And we'll talk about that just a little bit more in a few minutes. The second thing that you need to have this morning as we jump into this is the requirement for salvation has always been faith. Okay, it's always been faith. Okay, so there's the, the basis, there is the requirement for salvation, and then lastly, the last thing I want you to have this morning is this, the object of one's faith, the object of one's faith for salvation has always been God. So if you would just get those three down this morning, and you know, we'll just hang on to those and mention those a few more times as we go through here, but you need to have a, a grip on that as we get into these other points this morning. So, um, the first question asked, and by the way, let me just say thank you for asking these. Um, this is actually a really good question that was asked. And like I said, it came in a couple of different ways. Really, really good question. Um, I, I grew up in church for part of my childhood, part I didn't, part of my childhood I did. And some of the questions that came in about salvation were, were questions that I had and I had for a really long time because there were some confusing things about, you know, Old Testament and, and the Jews, God's chosen people. So let me say thank you for whoever asked that uh, this morning. And before we jump in and answering our first question, would you join me in prayer? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day that you've given to us. And Lord, I just pray that uh, you would speak to our hearts from your word. God, that you would just have permission to have your will and way in our lives. And that you would guide and direct. And uh, if, if there be anyone in here this morning, Lord, that has not ever placed their faith in you, God, that this would be the day that they do that. That that is done before they leave this building. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your grace and your mercy in our lives. Thank you that you love us unconditionally, without any strings attached. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, if you, you got your notes there, the first question uh, and the first point this morning in your outline is this. How are the Old Testament people saved? 
Great question. How are the Old Testament people saved? Not just the Jews, but Old Testament. You've got to understand, there was, there was history before uh, the Jewish nation was even called out. There was uh, a lot of people that uh, were not Jews. So uh, this is way back in the very beginning, and we will back up here in time to the very beginning of the Bible and talk about Old Testament people. Let me say this this morning. No one, either prior to the cross or since the cross would ever be saved without one pivotal event in history, the history of the world, and that's Christ's death on the cross, paying the penalty for past sins of Old Testament people and future sins of New Testament people or saints. That one pivotal event, we've got to remember that, that, that no one in the past or, or even in the future would be saved without that one event. Our key verse this morning is, is uh, Genesis 15 verse 6. And if you're there, go ahead and find that in your scriptures. We're going to read this verse here. Um, it, it's a great verse and it just simply tells us that Abraham in the Old Testament, believed God, and that was enough for God to credit to him righteousness. Look, look at verse number 6 of Genesis 15. It says this, And he, talking about Abraham, believed in the Lord, and he, capital in your scriptures, capital H, he, this is talking about God right here, accounted it to him for righteousness. And we'll stop right there. Great verse right there. And by the way, let's define righteousness this morning. A great way to remember it, an easy way to remember it, is this, right with God. So just write that in there next to righteousness. Righteousness, what, what does that mean? Right with God. That Abraham was made right with God when he believed him. Today, in the New Testament times, you see, um, you see the righteous, as we read in the scriptures, you see righteous and another category of people, unrighteous. You see those two used in the New Testament. And we call them the saved and the unsaved. So there are the righteous, or those right with God, and there are the unrighteous, and they are not right with God. Yeah, someone said unright with God. They, they, are, they are not right with God. So you've got those two categories. And we use that term a lot today. Well, they're saved or they're not saved. That's, what, that's the same thing. That's what we're talking about. The righteous and the unrighteous. Well, here's a question that uh, it, it came in like this. And, and I wondered this even growing up. What about all those animal sacrifices that we see going on in the Old Testament? You know, they're sacrificing things for this and that. And man, there's all kinds of that going on. What about that? And you know, as a kid, honestly, I thought that was their ticket to heaven. I mean, they're just, they're doing that in some way. You take the family lamb and you know do the thing you know sacrifice and I thought that was for them that was the way and I, I believe that well it is in Hebrews chapter 10 in, in a great passage there that explains that the Old Testament sacrifices and that whole sacrificial system did not take away sin but however it did point to the day 
the day that would come when the Son of God would shed his blood for the sinful human race. So it pointed to a day. In fact, it's in verse 4 of Hebrews 10 that says this, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Man, so there went, there went my belief that, you know, and that in some way made them righteous or took away sins. It doesn't do that. It's not possible, Scripture tells us. So those sacrifices that were done in the Old Testament did not take away sin, but they were a symbol looking forward to the sacrifice to come. Looking forward into history to when a sacrifice would come. Just like, oh and this is, this is great, just like today. We have some symbols. Baptism and communion. You know, being baptized or, or showing up and taking communion when we do that doesn't save you and provide forgiveness of sins. But they are symbols for us today to remind us to look back. And so the Old Testament symbol of sacrifices were telling them and reminding them to look forward at what would come. Our symbols today are for us to look back. Uh, let's go back in time this morning. Adam, first man. Okay, you've got Adam and Eve. And so Adam is God's first man created. God places him in the garden. And in, in a process of time, you know what happened. They, they fell. They sinned. They ate of the tree that they were not supposed to eat of. And so sin entered into the world. And then, and then that sin and death passed to all mankind, to all born after them. And so you've got this going on with Adam and the sin enters into the world. And they have sinned. Well, as you read in, in Genesis, what happens is... They, their eyes are opened. Their eye, the scripture says their eyes are openness to, open to their nakedness and to their sin and what had happened, what had taken place. And so they try to hide themselves. And it's in Genesis chapter 3 that says this, that the seed of the woman would conquer Satan. That, that one day, the, the seed of the woman, it's, it's the first prophetic verse about Christ coming. It's the, the first mention that one day that sin would be taken care of. And Adam believed God when God said that. Adam placed his faith in that. And that's demonstrated by when uh, Adam and Eve allowed the Lord to um, cover them with coats of skins. Now here's what had happened uh, previously. Adam and Eve sinned and they're like, oh, we realize we have sinned, we have done wrong, let's kind of hide out from God. They take fig leaves, the scriptures tell us, and they sewed them together and they put them on to hide themselves and try to cover their sin. And God says, not acceptable. And you see works in that. You see them trying to work at their own covering of their own sin and do something on their own to take care of their sin problem. And God comes and says, not acceptable. I don't care if you made a fig leaf robe <laughs> and a parka out of fig leaves. Not acceptable. So God clothed them in coats of skin. God sacrificed an animal 
and clothed them, the first sacrifice, and put those skins on them. And the point of all of that, you know, Adam believed that God would take care of their sin. He, Adam did not know all that was to come in the future and all that we know because of the scriptures today. Adam did not know, you know, that uh, all the details about Jesus and the cross and all of these things. But he believed God for taking care of his sin. That's Adam. Fast forward a little bit in time. Okay? And you've got Adam and Eve's kids. Cain and Abel, right? You know, if you've been in church anytime, you know the story about Cain and Abel. Um, and, and so, Cain and Abel, they each brought an offering to the Lord, these boys. Cain did not respond in faith. He tried works, kind of like the sewing together of fig leaves and doing it on your own. Figuring your own plan for taking, taking sin away. And so, so Cain brought... It says, the Bible says, out of the process of time, in the process of time, he gave of the ground. So eventually, Cain gave something he had done, and he had planted, and he had grown, and he brought that. He did not give a sacrifice. Then, Cain's life bore out his lack of faith because he murdered his brother, Abel. God says, and God said to Cain, not acceptable. Not acceptable. It's not going to work. You don't understand. Abel had faith in God. And he gave of the first fruits of his flock, the scriptures tell us. It was a sacrifice. And he did that because of his faith in God. Abel believed God. Fast forward a little bit more in time to a man by the name of Abraham. We just read about him here in our key verse. God calls Abraham out to be a new people. And God begins the Jewish people and the nation of Israel right here in this conversation in Genesis chapter 12 through 15 with Abraham. Calls him out to be a new people and, and gives him all these promises and says, Now, from your descendants... I'm going to bless the nations of the earth and all of these things are going to happen. And here's all of these promises for your descendants, Abraham. And he tells them all of these, all of these amazing things. And the result, Abraham believes God for all these, all these things that he has said. Abraham believes and places his faith in God. According to the promises, the, the new information that God gave him in Genesis 12 through 15. See, prior to Moses, no scripture was written. You know, they, they, weren't, they weren't walking around with these. You know, with cool covers and, you know, all kinds of, you know, neat fonts and things like that. That, that didn't exist. But mankind was responsible for what God had revealed. And you know, Adam knew a little, and Cain and Abel knew some, and Abraham knew some. God was revealing these things to them. And throughout the Old Testament, believers came to salvation because they believed God would someday take care of their sin. They placed their faith in God. Today, we look back. You know, after the cross, we look back. Believing that Jesus already took care of the sins, our sins on the cross. So they were looking forward. We look back. Well, what about believers in Christ's day? 
You know, walking the earth with Christ, but prior to the cross and resurrection. What about believers then? What did they believe? Did they understand the full picture of the cross and, and Jesus dying on the cross for the sins of the world? Let's take a look at something uh, that Peter said and did. Late in Jesus' ministry, Jesus begins talking to his disciples and saying, telling them, hey, these things are going to take place. I'm going to have to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be turned over uh, into the hands of the elders and the chief priests and all these things are going to happen and I'm going to be killed and on the third day raised to life. This is found in Matthew chapter 16. And Jesus is telling this to his disciples. They, they have walked with him. They have witnessed the miracles. What was the reaction to the disciples? to Jesus' information here that he's giving them. Scripture tells us in that passage in Matthew, it says, Then Peter took him, Jesus, aside and began to rebuke him and say, Never, Lord! This shall never happen to you. So we see even in New Testament times, the time of Christ here, that Peter and the other disciples did not understand the full truth of what was about to happen. Yet, they were saved because they believed that God would take care of their sin. They placed their faith in that. They didn't exactly know how God would accomplish it. They didn't know all of those details any more than Adam or Abraham or Moses or David or any of these other people in the Old Testament knew. But they believed God. They believed Him for it. Today, we have more revelation than people living before us. In, in the Old Testament times, uh, we have more revelation. We have the scriptures right here. We have all of this. We see the full picture. We know. We can, we can look back. We can read about what happened. We can read about all the events of that, those times. We see the full picture today. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1 says this. God who in various times, in various ways, spoke in times past to the fathers of the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by, through his son, the word. And there's a really great uh, passage of scripture, it's in 2 Peter chapter 1, talks about this a little bit more, a little bit more detailed. It says this, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. You might just circle that in your Bible. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, which you do well to heed as unto a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the day star arises in your hearts. What is this more sure word of prophecy? The passage goes on to say this, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture, it's talking about the Scriptures, that are more sure it says, no prophecy of scriptures of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Talking about the word of God. So we have the scriptures. You and I have thank God that we have the scriptures. And, and we know uh, more has been revealed to us. We see the picture more in full. I was studying for that this week and, and I, for today this week and I did, this did cross my mind. I wonder what we think in our minds we know what's going to happen in the future with you know biblical events and what God's going to do and all of these things and we really don't know all the nuts and bolts and details you know I was wondering about that I was wondering Hmm. You know, for, for Peter to pull Jesus aside and say, that'll never happen. He, he didn't, Peter didn't get it. 
You know, what, what for us today in the future will God do that we might see and go, oh, wow, I didn't realize it was going to happen like that because you know, the preacher always said it was going to happen like this. And, you know, what, what will be there? I'm, I'm sure something. I'm sure something. I'm sure God will do something that we haven't figured out yet. Amen. His ways are a lot higher than our ways, right? So how were Old Testament people saved? Well, their salvation was based on the sacrifice that would come. Okay? Faith was their requirement for salvation. And the object of their faith was God. They believed God. So, that's how Old Testament people were saved. Uh, wasn't the sacrificing of animals and all these things that... You know, it can be confusing, and like I thought as a kid, took care of their sin. It was their belief in God. Great verse. Righteousness was credited to Abraham because he believed God. Not did a bunch of different stuff, not walked around the Middle East, not, you know, had a bunch of descendants, not all of those things. He believed God. Well, so that's a great question. And that brought out this question. Number two this morning. How are the Jews saved? How are the Jews saved? And another way that this is asked is this. Are Jews saved because they are God's chosen people? Have you ever heard that term used about them? Oh, the Jewish nation, yeah, they're God's chosen people. And you hear that. And, and again, that's a great question because I grew up thinking they're God's chosen people. They're, they must just go to heaven automatically to get like a, you know, getting a heaven free ticket because they're God's chosen people, right? And I, I, I believe that. I thought that. And, you know, we hear that said and that, that's easy, easy to do is to believe something like that. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Great verse. The no one mentioned in that verse, referred to there, in Greek, you know what it means? No one. <laughs> no one. Jesus saying no one, he was referring to Jews, Gentiles, no one. So Jews are not saved because they're God's chosen people. But if they personally believe in Jesus Christ as their true Messiah, they're saved. Now, they are God's chosen people. And by the way, there are Jews who place their faith in Jesus as their true Messiah. Sometimes they're called Messianic Jews. They've accepted Yeshua, the Hebrew word for Jesus, as their Messiah. They have placed their faith and trust in Him. And listen, there is no doubt that the Jews are God's chosen people. They are still God's chosen people. God is still going to use the nation of Israel in an incredible way in the future. He's still using them. It is in Deuteronomy chapter 7, and let me just read it to you. It says this, for it's talking about the Jews here, the nation of Israel. For you are a holy people to the Lord. 
your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people to himself, a special treasure above all the other peoples on the face of the earth. Verse 7 goes on to say this about them. The Lord did not set his love on you or choose you because you were more in number than any other people or, or even that you were the, because you were the least of all peoples. But because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers. Christian author John Gill in his exposition of the entire Bible says this, and I quote, The Jews were chosen for special service of worship and to enjoy special privileges and benefits, civil and righteous and religious, but they were not chosen for a special grace or eternal glory. In other words, you don't, you don't just receive a get into heaven ticket because you're a Jew. Okay? The Jews were chosen to be a blessing and they are a blessing to nations of the earth. God chose them to do some amazing things as a country and to reveal himself to others. The Jews were chosen to be a light to the Gentiles. So then, are all Jews saved because they are God's chosen people, the Jews? No. Salvation is an individual issue. Okay? Being God's chosen people is a national issue. It's an issue with the nation of Israel. So salvation is an individual issue. Okay? It's a generalization. Um, let me illustrate it this way. You've heard said, well, you know, I'm so glad America is a Christian nation. Have you ever heard that before? Raise your hand if you heard that. Yeah, some of you going, I don't know if that's so true anymore. Uh, America is a Christian nation and we're so glad for that. Does that mean that every American is a Christian? No. It doesn't. There is a difference. There is a national issue and there is an individual issue. Which the individual must place their faith in Christ. It's like, uh, you know, you could bring a family up here and say, um, This is the American family. Or you see in the news, the American family today, you know, does this or that and so forth. And the American family... Well, does that mean that every person in that family is an American or from America? Some of you are going, yeah, it does. No, it doesn't. You know, I grew up in the American family in the Midwest. You know, my dad still carries a green card today. He's not a citizen. But we are, we were the American family. You're going, oh, how did he get in our borders? Right. Yeah, yeah. A little, a little Canadian plug there for you. So, uh, yeah, but you know that doesn't mean that necessarily. It's a generalization. So, uh, don't confuse what is said about a nation with what is still a requirement for an individual to place their own faith in Christ. So, uh, hope that clears some things up. Now, the sacrificial system in the Old Testament was set up through the Jews. But as a nation, even seeing the sacrificial system, even taking part in that, they missed it. Not all, but for the most part, missed that Messiah, 
was coming. He walked this earth. His name was Jesus. He died on the cross. Was our perfect lamb and the final sacrifice. And miss that. It's in Hebrews chapter 10. And it's, it's kind of a, a long passage. So let me just explain it to you. That says this about the old sacrificial system. That every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly sacrifices which Hebrews 10 says can never take away sins. Verse 12 of Hebrews 10 says this, but this man, and in your scriptures it's a capital M for man, this is talking about Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. You know why he sat down? Because it was done. The, sacri the sacrificial system was done. It was finished. The work was completed. He paid the sin penalty and sat down at the right hand of God. So for a Jew, one of God's chosen people, and we hear that and we read that in Scripture, that they were called out, chosen to be a special people. For a Jew... The basis of salvation has always been the death of Christ. The requirement for salvation has always been faith. And the object of one's faith for salvation has always been faith in who? God. The same. From Adam, a non-Jew, just a man... To the Jews, the called out nation, through the Old Testament time, through, through those that walked with Christ on this earth, the same. It's about the death of Christ. It's about faith in God. So, that brings us to a, a good question. Another good question. How are people then saved today? That's number three in your notes. How are people saved today? Some of you are going, man, I know this. Because... I've done that. And that is awesome. Let's clear some things up. The New Testament teaches that all of us, Jews and Gentiles alike, miss the mark. It's in Romans chapter 3 verse 23 that says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That we have all, and by the way, the Greek word there for all means all. <laughs> It means all, everybody, not just a you know, certain sector of people or a certain time of people, but that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us. We've, and that, that's, that means miss the mark. We've all sinned. We are fallen. We are born fallen because of original sin. Scripture tells us when Adam and Eve sinned that, that death and sin was, were passed to all people for that all have sinned. And then... Scripture tells us in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, that all of us are under the consequences of sin. And that is, that the wages of sin is death. Every single person, every one of us, not some, not certain people in time, every single person. The wages, you know, you go, you have a job, and you know, I really understood this when I got my first job, that you earn wages. You've done something, and then there is, you get something, okay? And as a person, and because of original sin, you get something. The Bible says... The wages of that sin is death. But there's some good news. The scripture goes on to say that 
The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, we are all in need of salvation from our sins. Every one of us. And I know many of you in here this morning have placed your faith in Christ as your Savior. And, and, and that's awesome. I'm, I'm sure there's some that haven't. Or you're thinking about it or you're wondering about that. We are all in need of salvation from our sin. We are all in need of a Savior. Every single one of us. Not just Americans, not just people in other countries, not just men. <laughs> all of us. Every single one of us. Now, the New Testament teaches that Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, is the way, the truth, and the life. We mentioned this already. And no one comes to the Father except through Him. That's in John 14, 6. Just a great foundational scripture to circle in your Bible. No one comes to the Father except through Him. Nobody. There's no exceptions. And most importantly, it's in Acts 4.12 that says this, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, which by we must be saved. There's no other way. That verse is saying there's no other way to do it. Adam could not do it with fig leaves. God said, unacceptable. Cain could not do it with... His, the works of the ground that he brought forward, God said, that is unacceptable. You and I cannot do it by working, by earning it. See in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 that says, For by grace are we saved, through faith. It goes on to explain that it's not of works. It's nothing that we could do. And when we try to do that, and count on that, one day we will stand before God. And it will be not acceptable. Not acceptable. It is only through faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, I know there's people in here this morning from many walks of life and many grown up in many different churches and things like that. Salvation is not about some certain steps we must follow to earn salvation. And if you don't get anything today, get this. It's not about some steps we have to complete to earn salvation. If you believe that, God says, not acceptable. That is not how it's done. Yes, Christians should be baptized. Christians should publicly profess Christ as Savior. Christians should turn from sin. Christians should commit their lives to obeying God. You know. However, these things are not steps to earn salvation. They are because of salvation. They are, they are an outflow of a life that has been given to Christ. You see, because of our sin... We cannot in any way earn salvation because of our sin. We, we, could, it, we could follow a thousand steps and it would not be enough. And that is why Jesus had to die in our place. You see, we are so incapable, so incapable of paying our sin debt to God. The penalty for sin and cleansing ourselves from sin. We are so incapable of that. Only God could accomplish our salvation and so he did. God himself completed the steps, if you will, thereby offering salvation to anyone who would receive it from him.
He paid for our sins. Salvation and forgiveness of sins, it's not about steps. It's about receiving Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. And recognizing that He has done it all. And I'm going to quit my plan A and my plan B on getting into heaven. And I'm going to lean 100% faith that it's all about Jesus and what He has done for me. God requires one thing of us. Receiving Jesus Christ as Savior and fully trusting Him. And you know what? That's not a work. You know? A good thing it wasn't that plus perfect church attendance throughout the year. <laughs> We'd all be like, oh man. You know? A good thing it wasn't that and, you know, going on a missions trip for three months. Which that's a great thing to do, by the way. But it's not part of salvation. Good thing it wasn't that and having surgery. Good thing it wasn't that and you know, pulling weeds up at the church every week and walking old ladies across the street. You know, it's not and. It's done. Jesus Christ has done it all. And we receive that gift and fully trust in Him alone as the way of salvation. Uh, if you have your scriptures, just turn over to Romans chapter 10. Romans 10, and we'll read this together. Some of you know where I'm going. It's a great foundational verse here about salvation. And so, go to Romans 10, and we'll read just verses 9 and 10 together. And if you don't have these marked in your Bible, and you can, you know, like mentally handle marking in your Bible without that bothering you, um, let me encourage you to circle it, highlight it, underline it, whatever, you know. Um, great, great verse here. Acts, or I'm sorry, Romans 10, 9 and 10. Let's look at it. It says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and say it, believe, that's key right there, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's right. We, we've got instructions right here. It goes on to say this in verse 10. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. We, we defined that earlier. With the heart one believes unto righteousness. Being right with God. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That you've received Christ. Man, I hope you'll get that this morning. Verse 10, it's with the heart that you believe unto righteousness. That is what, you, those scriptures you're looking at there, those two verses, that is what distinguishes the Christian faith from all other world religions, right there. That the other world religions have a list of steps that must be followed in order to receive salvation. The Christian faith recognizes that God has already completed it all. It is done and simply calls us to receive Him in faith. And aren't you glad for that? Aren't you? Do you know yourself enough, like I know myself, that if it, if it was a religion that I had to keep a list of things, I would be doomed for hell. Hell. 
You know, and you would too. If it, if it was a, a list of things that I had to complete to earn my way to salvation and then even die on my deathbed wondering, did I do it right? Did I do it in the right order? Am I missing one? Are they going to come up with a new one? Oh, that would be awful. And aren't you glad it's about receiving Jesus by faith? It is so easy. Let me give you a warning this morning. Being a good person in karma isn't a ticket into heaven. Thought might get one amen on that. <laughs> Being brought up in a good home with a Christian mom and dad who, who, who loved you and nurtured you and protected you and got you involved in sports and maybe even schooled you at home and, and all of these things and sent you away to a Christian college or, or whatever, that won't save you. Amen. It won't save you. Having a dad or a granddad who was a preacher won't save you. It won't for you. And if you're banking on any of that, you ought to be scared to death. Because one day, you will stand before the judge. And if you have banked on that, he will say, not acceptable. Not acceptable. And then the scripture teaches us a truth that's not real popular to talk about. But the truth is that if you're found not acceptable because you did it your own way, you will spend an eternity separated from God. Eternity separated from God. Not a day, not a vacation. Eternity. Oh man, that's a hard truth. That's a fact. And just when you have been separated from God for what feels like eternity, it's just breakfast in heaven. It'll be forever. So, we've answered some questions this morning. But the most important question is only a question that you can answer. And you need to answer that today. And that is this. Have you ever by faith received Jesus as your Savior? Well, I grew up in a Christian home. I, you know, I'm, I was born in the nursery. Well, I got to count for something, right? <laughs> Not acceptable. <laughs> well, you know, I was like born in the nursery, and then next thing you know, I was in youth ministry, and then, you know, and I was like a kid in the church and growing up, and then I started serving in some area, and you know, certainly that's got to count for something. None of it counts because there's nothing to count because Jesus did it all. So you have to answer that question on your own this morning. And let me just tell you, you can right now, before we close this service, right in your seat, place your faith in Jesus as Savior. From your heart to God's, right now, tell Him. You don't have to come up here, or get on your knees, or close your eyes, or do anything weird, or nothing like that. You can just right now, in your seat, place your faith in Jesus as your Savior instead of your own plans. That's the wonderful thing. You can do that this morning and I encourage you to. Our salvation, this is the last thing I believe in your notes this morning, is still based on the death of Christ. 
Our faith is still the requirement for salvation. And the object of our faith is still God. Today, for us, the content of our faith is that Jesus died for our sins, was buried, and he rose again the third day. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells us that, gives us the gospel. Jesus died, was buried, rose again. If you haven't done that today, well, it's the most important thing you do before walking out these doors. Is place your faith, not your mama's, not your granddad's, not your other family's, your faith in Jesus as your Savior. Would you bow your heads with me this morning?